It's the Doctor Who Flashcast one more time. It's uh, the first of a handful for 2022. And then what happens? I don't know. We'll talk about that at some point. I'm Jason Snell, and I'm joined to talk about Eve of the Daleks, the festive special for New Year's Day 2022 with the following wonderful people. Chip Sutterth joins me. Hello, Chip. Welcome back to the Flashcast. It's been a little while. Yeah, uh, but didn't we just record this about five minutes ago? Yeah, it's true. We'll get our story straight eventually. Uh, it'll be you. You must have really liked the two-minute time loop. That was the climax of the episode. For <laughs> James Thompson is also here. Hello. I, I just want to be a good-hearted weirdo. <laughs> and Anthony Johnston is back as well. Hello. Hello, podcasters. Do not have friends. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was going to say, ho, ho, ho. Now Daleks have a machine gun. <laughs> the uh yes a machine because you know they do seem to get an upgrade every time yeah. they come back these days don't they so five rounds rapid i guess from the dalek um, a gatling dalek yeah who, who knew uh <laughs> even the dalek so uh okay we get our time loop it's our it's our groundhog day with daleks time loop episode um i turned to lauren and i said i think this is this is some of the most effective use of the daleks i've seen in a long time because first off when you're trapped in a building in a time loop having a relentless killing machine or series of relentless killing machines alien you know machines uh trying to trying to exterminate you that's that's like the daleks can do that they're really good at that you don't have to to stretch it too far they're just the the relentless they're the alien they're the relentless killing machine um I thought that this this was a really good use. Also, I liked. I will also mention the subtle thing where, um, where the two characters of Nick and Sarah, yeah. um, uh, are mm-hmm. are uh, kind of spilling their hearts out, uh, not realizing that the Dalek is there, and the Dalek is sort of like rolling slowly and kind of turning <laughs> to look at them, and is super awkward. And I thought also excellent use of a Dalek. But uh, <laughs> anyway, how did you how did you feel? Because I think Daleks are one of those things that's representative of Doctor Who, but also kind of. You know, they have their issues because they're really, you know, they're kind of one note. And when you try to get them to play other notes, they're not as good at it. Or at least that's what I think. What do you all think? Well, I, I mean, I thought Flux was, well, we discussed it in depth, was a bit of a mixed bag. But this really worked for me. Um, and it was more Russian doll than Groundhog Day because there was a, yeah, kind of a lot true. of death. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Um, and, and I liked the sort of like, well, we need to do another loop, right? Time to go and find a Dalek and, and kill ourselves. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it, it worked really well for me. Um, and I think that it was kind of, yeah, like a, a sort of, I assume fairly cheap to make bottle episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and, but it just worked so much better because of that. Cause it also wasn't fate of the universe stuff, which I think works less effectively than yeah just people in a warehouse with a couple of dialects after them i think it's that old constraint that old saying that constraint mm. you know uh, forces creativity yeah. isn't it and it, it certainly did it i thought yeah i mean i really enjoyed this I, I had some issues with it but overall uh i thought this was yeah definitely one of chibnall's best mm-hmm. who episodes i thought some of the amusing nods towards new year's eve like with the fireworks and stuff were quite yeah, that worked for me it was just on the right side of cheese yep and yeah, yeah the daleks work as a relentless killing machine i was i think they actually kind of one of the issues i had with it was i don't think they should have had multiple daleks yeah I, 
you know, I think they should have just stuck with the one Dalek because once you have three, well, then why not a hundred? Well, I, I wonder if it's solving a script point where like, let's just put in more. I did like where they're like, wait a second, there's a second one because first off, you can't really tell them apart, so you might not know for a right. while, and then you might have a. I, I would have liked it, you know. I like the revelation that there's more than one, but then there's like, and then there's three, and then there's five, and I'm like, yeah, okay, that's fine. But yeah, I would say a minor quibble too. I think the Daleks used correctly correctly where they are 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 scary killing machines and also can be the butt of jokes um not just the awkward one-liners yeah yeah, not just the awkward moment where the dalek rolls in is like oh they're having a moment should i be here should i not be here but the yes daleks do not store stuff daleks do not have managers daleks are never sorry (laughs) just it's like get out every single i you know nick briggs must have had a a a glorious time recording these these lines he actually, the, the Dalek uh, actually had the line, I am not Nick, but of course it was Nick. Right, that's true. Uh, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I really liked this one as well. Now, I, I always like it when Doctor Who swings for the fences, and this is, this is a much more constrained um, ep- episode. Um, it's probably the perfect uh, holiday episode. Um, think back to, uh, think back to Voyage of the Damned, you know, it's a, it's a uh, it's a disaster movie or a horror movie or a bottle story, whatever it is. You know, it's the thing that happens at the holidays that you don't have to pay attention to previous episodes or think yep. too much about future episodes. It's all done in one, and I and I really enjoyed it for that. Um, and uh, and I am every time I think that I'm tired of the Daleks, a little something different happens, mm. and in this one. The Dal- the Daleks were just a holes. They were, <laughs> they were, they were, they were petty. They were snide. They were superior. Um, you you keep remembering that the Daleks are all about hate. They're not just the they're not the emotionless uh, robot warriors like the Cybermen or anything else like that. the The thing that makes the Daleks work is that they are pissy. And they were they were supremely so this time, and uh, I really enjoyed that as well. The other thing I liked was I felt like Chibnall had was thinking about Star Trek, the Star Trek episode "Cause and Effect" in the back in, in the back, and what do I need to do different? And the thing that I really like about this episode is that almost from the beginning, everyone who's trapped in the time loop knows yeah. that they're in a time yeah, loop. Yeah, which is and unusual it becomes, for a time loop story. Yeah, yeah. and it becomes... A, it, the whole point of the, the episode is the Daleks and the Doctor and companions and people roped in trying to out-strategize each other. Yeah, yeah and I think Dan even says Groundhog Day at one point, just, you know, to <laughs> reference the fact uh-huh. that everybody knows the rules, everybody knows what's going on. Well, I mean... Has but- Doctor Who done a time loop story before? I'm not sure if they have. Mm. I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, well. Mm. I'm going to say, it, like, based on not actually remembering, I'm just going to say yes. Because if we say no, <laughs> we'll get I, yeah. letters. I, I don't know if <laughs> okay, there has email. been one as explicitly Groundhog Day slash uh, right. Russian Doll as this episode is. Um, but, but I, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there's been some sort of shenanigans, but this feels like the... The one that goes the most all out for for a time loop episode, like as we yeah. have come to know it since Groundhog Day. The point, I actually the enjoyed, time loop is the point. Yeah, I enjoyed that they changed the rules slightly with the you know it gets a minute less each time, so you've got like a also fixed good. number of loops. 
because I don't remember I don't remember that variant of time loop. So the answer yeah. is Heaven Sent is technically a time loop episode, but it's yeah. really kind oh, of mm, yeah. I mean, sort of, but it's it's no, that does count. It though. is yeah. Yeah. it is a, an endless time loop episode of the soul. Yeah. But yes, that one. That but one I, I did count. like the fact that this time loop is literally caused by the Doctor and yeah. by the TARDIS. Yeah, I mean that was. I'm glad that they got that out of the way relatively quickly because mm-hmm. it seemed really obvious, and I was kind of. Yeah, you know, a bit disappointed well, it, that it, nobody went. Hey, I wonder if it's got anything to do with rebooting the TARDIS. Either that, or Jeff or Nick had some alien something yeah. in the storage unit, which I did think for a little while, and then they're right, like, no, yeah. no, no, it's this is the Daleks are here because of the Doctor, and the time loop is here because of the TARDIS, and that's it. That's all you need to know. And and it's you know COVID times, so they have the limited cast. They only have the two guest stars plus Dalek operators, and it's like that's that's good. That and the and the and mom on the phone. Who is uh, who is in stuff? And Father Ted and what? What did Glenn say that she's from? I don't know. Jam in Jerusalem. Jam in Jerusalem. Okay, thanks, Glenn. But everybody over here went. That's the woman from Father Ted. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Well, I I um am very excited about Ashley B, who uh, plays Sarah yes. because she it, she was I know her from the fifth season of Taskmaster, where she was a yeah. delightful contestant. And so when I saw she was in this episode, I was. Uh, I was excited about that. And she's funny. And she's funny. And that's part of the tone, right? Is that there's this kind of light tone, the humans. I like that moment where they're like, there's like robots. And they're like, no, they're Daleks. It's like, okay, they're stupidly named robots. Like, they're just, they don't <laughs> yeah. care about the distinctions between what, like, they, the, you, when you see them, you're like, a robot is, it killed me. And it's all, uh, you know, serious, but also kind of played for a laugh. And I like, I really like that tone because as Chip said, you know, holiday special, you kind of want to keep it light and fun and, um, and, you know, engaging and not bog it down. And I, I think using Ashley B as the, the lead guest star was a, was a good choice there. I'd agree. I've not seen Taskmaster. Uh, so I've not seen her in anything else, but Every once in a while, you get a uh, a guest performer on Doctor Who who is just radiating. You know, I am I am a I am an actor of quality, <laughs> and there were things that she did just flaring her nose and um, just ha- ha- just little things that just perfect comic timing. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, she's actually best known over here as a stand-up, but she has also done a lot of straight acting as well. Yeah. We also had like uh, two uh, New Year specials ago. We had Charlotte Ritchie from Taskmaster as well. Mm. So, you know, it, it. I think they they would do well to just go and cast people at Taskmaster. Um, Taskmaster. Well, uh, Greg, actually, Greg Davis was in the uh, yes. Husbands yep. of He's River Song yep. <laughs> uh, Christmas special. So Taskmaster all around for Christmas is what we're saying, or or New Year's. By the way, I just realized um, next year will be the first festive season without a Doctor Who episode since the show came back. Oh. Wow. Mm. Oh, wait. Do we know for sure that the second special isn't it's, next holiday it, season? Well, they said... So what's happening is we have, we you know, Legend of the Sea Devils, by the way, everybody. Yes. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. Talk about old school. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the legend, there are some very happy people over at Radio Free Scarlet. I'm sure right <laughs> there are. Uh, legend of the Sea Devils, and that is the sort of planned other special coming sometime. And then there's this uh, final special for the what they said is the BBC's 100th anniversary. I think that's in the fall. I don't know if that's 
like going to be at Christmas or something. I kind of assume not. And Russell T. Davis has now said his first episode will be the 60th anniversary episode in in uh, November of 23. So, um, yeah, I I don't know, but I, I'll I'll just assume that that episode, that final special, won't be in in the festive season. But maybe it will. But I I don't know what their plan is for that. It's all kind of mysterious. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it but uh, Sea Devils. How about that? Yeah, I, well, if it's as good as this one, then you know, I mean, and and one of the things that Chibnall did well in Flux, as we've mentioned, was sort of you know, go a bit more old school than in previous seasons with mm-hmm. like bringing the Sontarans and what have you. So if you know, if it's as good as that, uh, bringing back the Sea Devils, yeah, why not? Sure. Um. Let's see. Oh, I had one other line that I highlighted that I want that made me laugh. Dalek line, which was, "I arrived 1.93 rels ago." Just, <laughs> yeah. it's not helpful yeah. in, in any way. Thank you. Your your Earth minutes. Nope. 1.93 rels, and we don't have stuff. Yeah. Um, the there's uh, yep. Go ahead. There's one episode of pre- Doctor Who that Chibnall's written before that this remind me of in terms of pace and sort of f- energy. It was um, 42. Oh yeah, uh, his episode uh, with uh, David Tennant back in the third season. Um, I I felt like this it, this is some of the stuff that he does so well. Um, and in 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 that one, the the gimmick was uh, trying to get through the doors. This one, the gimmick is trying to get through the time loops. Uh, but I feel like he's exercising a lot of those same uh, muscles there. Yep. I don't remember that episode. Oh, it's like they're trapped on a spaceship that's going to go into the sun, and so they've got 42 minutes to get off, and it's, it's literally like a real-time episode. It's like 24. It's uh, 42 oh, right, right, minutes. Okay. And it's it's not a great episode, but it does have that kind of propulsive pace that, uh, right, you know, like Bill Murray learns everything that he needs to learn to be a full human being in Groundhog Day. Um, this is, an, and uh, Andy Samberg gets really bored in Palm yeah. Springs. <laughs> and so by re- taking a minute away from the countdown to midnight every time, it does add this whole propulsive nature to the plot. A literal ticking clock. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that you need. So it's a, good, it's a good moment where it's like, we can't just hang out here forever in one of these storage lockers. We need to actually come up with a plan. And, and I, if, if there's a part where this plot falls down for me, it's that at the end there there's definitely some hand waving of sort of like uh the the how they get out the at, at the end where they've got they know how to get out but they don't get out right away cuz instead they have to talk about having a plan and uh I like the fact that they do a a misdirect on the Daleks but I you know I felt like at that point the show had done what it needed to do and it just needed to get out so I forgive yeah. it I think this this show would have benefited from being a regular length episode. I think that that was one of my issues with it was that there were too many loops. I mm. think they kind of, you know, spent a bit of time spinning their wheels that meant it did drag a little. But I'm sure that that was dictated simply by the fact that it had to be an hour long. And I think if they hadn't had that, right. uh, you know, restriction, if they'd allowed to, been allowed to make like a 42 minute episode, then this would have actually been a lot tighter and wouldn't have sagged like that i actually liked the the, all the loops because i felt it gave the characters time to talk to each other and Mm -hmm. oh i liked that i just felt like some of the loops kind of i I don't know i felt like all of that could have been compressed into (laughs) you know a bit less time the same interactions just taken up but it's a niggle yeah uh dogs are never sorry i uh yeah I, i mean this is this was really fun. The we get the the Nick, 
you know, is it's unrequited love, and they have that nice thing where he's like, I know it's stalkery, I prefer unrequited, and uh, and you know, Sarah is miserable, and her mom doesn't want to call it midnight because all the lines will be jammed, which is not how it works because it's not 1974 or whatever, which is really that was all really good. Like the character bits there, and it's a, I mean, he said, I, I love the hanging of the lantern on it in the end, where he says, I I think like to think of it as a meat cute <laughs> when we yeah. when we almost <laughs> got killed when we did get killed multiple times by. Uh, alien robots uh but it is that that's part of the lightness and the funness of it is that like and then she judges him and they're the people from the outside the doctor and dan and yaz get to judge and and say that was that was pretty harsh and then he he dies and she feels bad but then she gets to have that conversation like all of that all that stuff i i really enjoyed and i thought it was fun that at the end um that that they go off to to travel together. That it's sort of like this is their this is their meet cute moment. I just you know again it's uh, New Year's Day and it was that was all cute. I liked it. Yeah, I love the uh, dynamic when when they're in the storage with uh, I think it's the second or the third loop, and uh, everybody's in the same storage room and uh, Johnny's explaining all of the stuff coming from th- that he's got in storage for previous girlfriends. And right. uh, and Yaz and Yaz are they alive? And, yes, they're yeah. alive. They're alive. Yeah. <laughs> and and Yaz and Sarah and Dan all just sort of like deflate a little bit. They're like they're relieved. I mean that that's one of the best comic timing moments in the, in the series. I, I thought that the the whole episode was basically worth it for the joke of X terminated uh. when all the stuff gets blown up. <laughs> but I don't know if they've got that joke and then worked backwards for the whole episode. It, it <laughs> is good. I also really liked it right in that same sequence. There's the moment because they discover that the, that this uh, Jeff guy is actually living at the self storage place, right? Um, and there's a living room there. It reminded me very much of like the uh, when Kramer set up the the talk show set in his apartment in Seinfeld. It was a little like that. It's like, whoa, there's like an old apartment inside this storage locker. But there's that scene where the Dalek rolls in and they're just hanging out. Oh, yes. <laughs> and then like, did I, you bring your friends? Daleks do not have friends. Exterminate. But it's like, ah, zany. Like, that, that's, the, that's the little loop where we get some uh, Groundhog Day-esque goofiness that's just like, because they're trying to mess with the Daleks, which is fun. I, I also like that we didn't actually get to see Jeff at all. So in my mind, it's Jeff from Coupling. But oh, interesting. Uh, you know, <laughs> we, we'll just just go with it. What what was with the tins of beans and beef? I, I thought that was going to have some plot significance. No, yeah. they would have to spend like hundreds of years in the storage unit, Not, or just beans. throw that, them at a Dalek. Even that, but. that was the that my my at least read of that was that Jeff has decided to set himself up for the apocalypse. Right, in, that makes sense. In the self-storage. Oh. And so he's got food and he's got gear and he's got everything and fireworks and, and you know, natural gas canisters and all of these things. Like he's, this is his uh, apocalypse plan. Is, Thank you. Because that. I'd been going all and on and on assuming that everything was Nick's and that makes so much more sense. Yeah, I think that Jeff, I think some, I think Nick is a, a hoarder. But has a very small apartment. So if you're a hoarder and you got a very small apartment, you could either hoard in your apartment or if you're a neat hoarder, I guess, just <laughs> hoard in self-storage units. Many of them, as many as you can. But that was that was my, I, I don't know if that's right, but that was my headcanon is that the, the beefy beans are uh, uh, basically end of the world uh, rations for, for Jeff in his bunker. It, it was Nick a bit seemed... confusing wh- who's wh- which 
extra right. stuff was Nick's and which was Jeff's. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think Nick's was just basically the serial killer room. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The yeah. I mean, Nick, Nick seems to be very unsuccessful at getting second dates, but extremely successful at getting first dates. Yeah. Well, first dates and dates where they, women leave their shoes behind. Apparently, or oh, the monopoly boards. Confuse me a little. I'm like, I don't know many people who would literally just leave a pair of shoes behind at someone. I mean, if you're apartment. trying to leave at speed, you don't <laughs> have time to stop for your shoes. Well, if he's coming after you with a knife, I mean, you know, I guess yeah. so. <laughs> um, the oh, uh, as I segue into us talking about the TARDIS team and also some sort of larger story arc things that are going on in the background here, I wanted to start with an amazing burn, which is. Uh, the Dalek refers to Dan as the inferior human. He's like, hey, what does that mean? And they say, an assessment has been made. And I just think that was great. Like, we we looked at you and we looked at Yaz, and, you know, you lost that one. That's really good stuff. Who you call an inferior. (laughs) It's just really good. So the story arc-y things here are... uh, Yaz has feelings for the Doctor. We have seen that. We have seen that the last couple of years. That has not been a, a, a thing that they've really hidden. There's clearly a connection there. Dan basically was like, you need to tell her. Um, the doctor, basically, he, Dan says to the doctor, you know what I mean. You're just pretending that you don't. And I, I you know, honestly, I just, I get a lot of like, do you want to give him the speech that, that David Tennant always gave? Do you want to be the, mm. I'm, two, I'm, I'm two or 3,000 years old, maybe even 10,000 years. I don't even know how old I am. I, you guys come and go. Like, we could do that, but- you know, whatever it's, uh, but it's out there, and I guess they'll deal with it in the next couple of uh, episodes because that's all that is left. So that's the thing that worries me. It's like a, there was much excitement on the internet uh, when that scene played out, and I, I, I've seen a number of reaction videos from people who are very, very happy indeed. Um, but then I started thinking, but there's only like two hours left. Yeah, you know what, what is going to happen? Uh, and, you know, I worry that Yaz is going to get to go to her beach, but she's going to stand on it like Rose. <laughs> and, uh, or the Doctor's going to sacrifice herself for Yaz and then regenerate. Uh, hopefully not into a man, because the optics on that would be awful. Right. Tricky. Mm. Tricky. I think um, so Yaz would be gone, know... gone out, of the, uh, out of the equation by then, I guess. Well, I just don't know how they're going to do this in a way that is not going to be terrible. As a, as a as a how to deal with this, the one thing that Chibnall has been, and we've all said this, has been consistently good at is the characters, the character oh, moments, yeah. and their relationships and stuff. So, it's that's the one part of this that I do kind of hold out hope and have some confidence in that they won't screw that particular I'm, part up. And I was, I mean, you're right, Jason, that they haven't made a secret of it, but it was nice to see it. Yes. So explicitly yeah, stated. Yes, exactly. Be- because directly. they were just kind of like nods and winks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that's all that there was ever going to be. So the fact yeah. that they did it, I was actually genuinely impressed yeah. by. Oh, yeah. Uh, because like as it played out, I was like, oh, right. They are actually going to sort of address this. But then I, my mind started thinking like, oh, well, where do we go from here yeah. in two episodes? Right. Well, there's only so much that you can do with romantic relationships with the Doctor uh, because of the format of the show. Um, so the classic series just didn't do it um, <laughs> unless you look at characters like uh, Romana uh, and things like that. Um, with the modern series, 
um, you know, they've they've had they've had different things. You've had your rose, you've had your river song, your things like that. Um, the the relationships between the doctor and companion characters are always going to be fraught, and they're never going to be completely satisfying because the format of the show just doesn't allow for persistent relationships. So they could have done what they did with uh, they could have left it with the the scene between um, Captain Jack and Yaz in the previous show where you could still sort of read into it, you know, um, close platonic platonic relationships or whatever, and just sort of leave it there. Um, or you can actually you you can actually go for, with this scene. You know, they've actually gone a little bit further than they even did with the. Uh, with Tennant and um, Billy Piper back in the day, there's there's no hiding there there's no hiding it. Um, Dan's just yeah. sitting there in the background, nodding his head because he's watching two characters who clearly have something that they want to say but they're afraid to say and 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 dodging it. But the show has been more explicit about this than I think it's been since the since the reboot in 2005. Yeah, Dan's effectively sitting there at the back going, get a room, you two. <laughs> but I also liked the the sort of the effect of coming out where she was like, I've never told anyone, not even myself. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and yeah. I think that line resonated with a lot of people. Yeah. I was yeah. just mainly happy to see it because they have, you know, yes, maybe they haven't been quite so blatantly explicit about it with the hetero relationships in pre with previous companions and doctors but still the fact that they were that they did state it without any equivocation and without sort of a, a you know a sly nod and a wink or whatever this time around for what would you know i know it's the doctor and all that but nevertheless you know the optics are that it would be a homosexual relationship that's a big deal and i was glad they went there yeah, yeah. there's now an obligation that chris chibnall has to sort of not just sort of hand wave it but to conclude that piece of the storyline yes. uh, in a satisfying mm -hmm. way in the next yeah. two episodes. The good news is that Chibnall, no matter what you think about his writing abilities in various aspects, he's very conscientious. He's very, he's very progressive and he's very thoughtful about at least trying to um, t do responsible storytelling. The downside is he doesn't always succeed at it. Yeah. Well, I, and if, you didn't have the intent to address it you wouldn't have explicitly yeah yeah totally entered into this conversation by writing that scene in this episode right so he obviously has a plan about what to do uh we just you know whether it it is executed right because it's true as uh as several people have said like the show goes on and the doctor regenerates and the companions leave so you can't give them a happily ever after story it's going to be uh either an unwilling separation or a painful separation or a painful realization of some kind or another right but you by going what where they went in this episode you're committing yourself to talking about it and dealing with it in, and hopefully in a good, you know, positive, responsible way. And they were like three episodes from the end, so they could have just dodged the, the oh, question yeah. entirely. Exactly, yeah. You, you can't write that scene in 2021 or even 2020, if you may have written it then. You can't write that scene now and not understand what it will mean to people and what people will expect from it. So, yeah, there must be a plan of some kind. 
Yeah, I just I worry. I worry like they're going to kill Yaz or yep. you well, know all all sorts of oh, like you know. It's always an option, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, this isn't Buffy, but hopefully no, but we've learned your gaze continues to be a real yeah. thing, especially in British media, unfortunately. So we'll see. We'll see. But but I can't believe, as you say, in twenty twenty two that they would do such a thing. Well, it's all been done and it's all been written and it's all been shot. Yeah. So um, any criticisms, any criticisms or new ideas or something else that come, it's pretty much too late. Wait, the specials have all been shot as well? Yeah, the I this episode and the next one are essentially part of the original series order that they ended up making a shorter season in or series in terms of flux. Because, right, but, but these other specials were really extra episodes from that order, and then there's an additional episode added on for the BBC uh, Centenary right. that is the that they've also shot. But I believe was shot in a later block. I think they did take a break after they shot this one and the next special. But they, I, I think it's all shot now. It's all done. Wow. Yeah. I, I didn't know they'd been filmed. I knew they were part of that original order, as you say, but I didn't know that they'd actually been filmed yeah. already. Wow. It's- so the the only way that I can see my way of resolving this in a nice thing is you don't have a regeneration at the end of uh, Jodie Whittaker's era and you have her and Yaz go off into the sunset and then when Russell T Davis takes over you just you know have the well this is the doctor and or or you or you alternately you have Jodie Whittaker in the opening scene regenerate and that's it Either either Possibly, way, but I think he's more likely to do an Eccleston. You know, do yeah, it again could with be. just like just have the new Doctor could turn be. up. And, I mean, and, and that's so, yes. assuming that he doesn't reboot the entire thing as but, we've speculated right. on before. Yeah, but that <laughs> means that you can have an indefinite amount of time. Right, the Doctor and Yes could go yes. off together, yeah. and and, and then they can know. end up and do big finish things yeah. for right. forever, uh, years to come. Well, the do- uh, and I've said this before, but like I'll also point out the special status that Yaz has. Yaz is going to be the only companion ever whose length of tenure in Doctor Who is exactly the same length as the companion's Doctor. It's a one-to-one, and it's the only time that's ever happened, which is, I think is kind of special and fun and makes Yaz the definitive Jodie Whittaker companion. And that would be great if they went off together and we had adventures and we didn't know. And then when the show comes back for the anniversary, um, there's a new doctor and, and maybe, you know, if it's a multi-doctor story, maybe Jodie Whittaker's in that one, Uh, but it's not explained. And it's, and then we follow the, we follow this other doctor forward from there instead of yeah, like there are different ways of doing it, and I I know every Doctor Who fan, including Russell D. Davis and Stephen Moffat and Chris Chibnall, is obsessed with like showing all the regenerations. But I would not put it past Russell to be like, nah. Well, unfortunately, uh, the personification of time did tell uh, the Doctor that her time was growing short. That's true. So oh, that's I think true, we, yeah. I, I think we can expect uh, the fireworks. They're gonna knock. But, what, I, I think she was just speaking metatextually. Cosmic time scale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, what does it really mean? And that, yeah, but I think you're right. Well, so the other other aspect of this that we haven't talked about yet is, uh, Doctor, what do you mean your actions are catching up with us? The And, you know, the Doctor won't talk about it and still won't talk about it. But, like, clearly this is the other thing that is leading into the, the last two episodes of this era, which is mm. everything the Doctor has found out about her past, the, the you know, the, the memories that were suppressed, the fact that she lived this whole other life, everything else she's been doing, and the personification of time basically saying, you know, you're time is up all of these things are 
pieces set in motion. And here, all this dialogue is doing is keeping the plates spinning. But it's also a commitment to, you know, we are going to deal with this. It's not just about Yaz and the doctor and and their feelings, but it's also about the doctor withholding all this information and keeping to promise that she's going to explain everything. And it's all leading to some big finish. I guess. Yeah. Not that kind. <laughs> well, maybe that kind. <laughs> did you see that they got their license renewed for another uh, 10 years? Yeah, or something? I did see that. Good on yeah. them. Yeah. I think that it's most likely that we're going to have a sea devil romp for mm-hmm. this next special. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then everything gets poured into this last episode, which I really hope will be uh, bonus length because yeah. gotta be. there's, there's, You've got to do something with the fob watch. You've got to do something with the Doctor and Yaz. I'm assuming that Sasha Dawan's coming back. I assume um, so, yeah. Mm, yeah. All of this. And these are all the most obvious ways to go. Um, and I, there, there's, just, there's just so much that's been set up that has to be, that has to be tied off. It could just be a 90-minute conversation between Yaz and the Doctor, just sat in the TARDIS. Um, I mean, I've half written kind of it awesome. in my head, you know. <laughs> it could be done. Anything else we haven't talked about that we should uh, get on about this? Um, I mean, I, I mean, think... I, oh, go on. I was going to say just Daleks are about as good a shot as Stormtroopers. They seem remarkably... <laughs> if yeah. If that's the execution of Daleks, they are very poorly chosen for their I, job. I think, like stormtroopers, they are as accurate as the scene needs them mm-hmm. to be. Uh, yes, running and around a Dalek, Gatling uh, guns too. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the 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 budget the budget was clearly on display with the lack of uh, building damage with all of those missed shots. Right. Well, it, you know, <laughs> the good news is it just all re- fixes itself. It all recycles when the time loop. Uh, Scorch marks are too accurate to be yeah. sun people. Sorry, wrong franchise. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I, I thought, I thought Yaz was wasted again. This was what, mm. like, my other issue with it was once again, like, I mean, from a character point of view, obviously Yaz got loads of attention. We've just talked about it all, but she didn't get to actually do anything. No, she's told really. to stay at one yeah. point and gets frustrated, and she's we know she's been out on her own having adventures with. With Dan and the professor, right? And yet here she's put back in that in that box of you wait yeah. here so that I, nothing happens. I, I to kind you. of, I mean, I kind of hope, and the fact that they had that whole like you know wait here and then she gets annoyed and the doctor apologizes and stuff. The fact that they had that scene encourages me that that will be addressed at some point because it has been a thing yeah. where Yaz just doesn't get mm-hmm. to do a lot, and it's really annoying. Could this episode have worked as just a three-hander with Yaz and Dan without Sarah and Nick? I, I think they they but wanted it's to a have special. The... You gotta have your guest stars. Yeah, and also you know Ashley B gives the sort of comedic uh, side to it. Her performance was really good, and yeah. I, I think the episode would be less without her and uh, a journey salmon who who played Nick as well. I thought yep. he was good. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think you could have done it and you could have like got rid of um, like everybody apart from, you know, just Yaz and the doctor really. But 
you know, I, I think it gave it meant that people could be running in different directions and and all that sort of Doctor Who stuff. Yeah, I and, do and like, like say it is kind of a tradition to have guest stars in these seasonal yeah, specials as well, yeah. isn't it? I think the the public because more people tune into these than to the regular series, so I think people just expect to see somebody they recognise. Once again, I really do like what John Bishop is doing here and how Dan is written. Um, you know. The emotional intelligence and the the, the self sacrificing thing, um, uh, trying to defend everybody with a ski and a clothes iron, mm. um, <laughs> you know, um, he he he's been he's been a very pleasant surprise for me. Um, I haven't been on any of the flashcasts uh, for Flux, so um, you know I. I was hesitant about him being added to the cast, and I think ultimately he does add a lot, and he's actually been a vector in this episode for increased character development between the Doctor and Yaz. Yeah, I, I agree. He's been uh, surprisingly good. Yeah, I agree. Good, Dan. Well, I mean, it's really weird because we're just ticking down to the end now, and there's not even the possibility of more of anything, right? It's just yeah. we're, we're, we're down in the last two, and I agree. I think that the... Legend of the Sea Devils is going to be another rompy kind of thing with a couple of little winks and nods about what the future holds. Like, I mean, it feels like very much like what happened in the David Tennant specials era, right? Which is you knew mm. there would be the big deal thing at the end. But before we get there, here's here is David Morrissey and uh, here's a bus in the sand and here's a, here's the a Mars mission. You know, where it's sort of like, yeah, you know, it's mostly just a romp with a with a, a few serious overtones of what is to come and then the big resolution. And I feel like that's exactly where we are now, which is we'll get another another fun, adventure piratey, sea devil kind of story with a, a few moments of, oh, but the end is near and then it'll be the big finish. So, yeah. uh, I don't know. It's weird. They got a lot, they, there's a lot of plates spinning. There are a lot of balls in the air, whatever metaphor you like. And and. I appreciate that Christopher does not seem to be trying to mitigate his his role here, right? Like he he put all the cards down in this episode of like, yes, I am going to deal with all of this yeah. stuff. So now we just have to wait for those episodes to drop and to see how he deals with it. I mean, we have we did see in flux that you know there are sometimes <laughs> occasions when he does let the plates drop it's and, true uh, you know not everything will necessarily be uh, resolved tidily yeah i i don't think he stuck the landing particularly well in flux which exactly gives me concern. Right. I, yeah. I guess the difference i would say is that in flux i think he let some plates drop that he didn't think were that important but this is the final exam and i think these are the things that he's been intending to have be yes, the, S- the final yeah. resolution of his series in the final episode of of his run. So it's not a place where you can just let plates drop, which isn't to say that he won't fail at it. He might, but right. but I, I don't think it's one of those things where he's like, ah, it'll be fine. He'll make the effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's it, it, intentions count for something. Yeah, they're nothing that you can base the your satisfaction with an episode right. over. But the guys. The guy's clearly trying. He's going to give it a go, and then we'll see how it goes. But what I what I can't believe is still that between now and 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 a year from November, there'll be three episodes of Doctor Who. Really, yeah. two, and then in November of next year, a third, a yeah. third. Ugh. So we might get like four hours. 
<laughs> yeah, it's Good. a it's a if, if we're lucky. It's a it's a dry period for sure. The wilderness years again. Uh, yeah. the wilderness <laughs> year ish. <laughs> it won't be but they'll say, you know what they'll say, it's just like the last time where they did the New Year's special and then it wasn't on. They're like, "Well, but but you know, there was an episode in 2022 and there was an episode in 2023." So it's like continuous production. It's like, "Yeah, but yeah. January 22 and 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 I'll grant you two specials and then all the way till November of 23. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit, but I don't get to say. I, I kind of thought in this episode when the TARDIS was rebuilding itself that we would get a new TARDIS set. And yeah. I know production wise, that's really unlikely Yeah, because everything's moving to a different company and all that. But I, I kind of thought that they would do. I, I it wondered. It seemed if, a bit weird when they went back in, and it just looked exactly yeah. the same. It's like, well, well, what did you do? That's why they said. That, that's why she said. Well, remember, we saw all the goo on the on the TARDIS and the all, extra doors and all of that. And so she says, "I'm resetting it. I haven't done this before. I'm just resetting it." So it was not re, re you know doing a new yeah. theme. It was just resetting the old one because yes, because they're not going to build a new set for two episodes. So they had to. You know, that was how they did it. That was how they described it. They didn't want the weird flux. They And, and really, it's that this is the premise of the episode, is that you got to be locked out of the TARDIS and it's causing the time loop. So they, that's what they did. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's it's uh, new studios even. So, because um, they're moving from the studios at BBC Wales. So, I yeah, it's a whole, yeah. New, whole new world for that new season, which is why I think we all keep thinking, um, this is the time if you're gonna if you're gonna drop some of the baggage of the show, whatever it might be. Exactly. This, yeah, is, this the, is the gonna be to the time it. to do it. Yeah. 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 I, I do think the TARDIS rings the cloister bell a bit too much these days. I mean, I, it's like <laughs> it's, the universe wasn't in in peril there. Spoken like someone raised on Castro Valva. <laughs> well, if you want to talk about things being reused, then we have to talk about sonic screwdrivers and you know. That's a that's a long conversation. It's a whole wavy thing that I'm going to miss that, I guess, about Jodie Whittaker. The, her her big, she worked a long time before she took the part on the wave that she does with the sonic screwdriver to have it tell her all the information that she needs from a screwdriver. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, it, it's the very first time she used it this episode, it was just like it, it is just it's a magic wand. Now. It is. That's what it's. <laughs> for. It's always been a magic wand, really. Well, I, I guess they're more blatant about it well, being a magic wand, or, or care less if people think. Well, she uses the psychic paper too, which I thought was unnecessary because there's killer robots, aliens, yeah. and so it's fine. And but but although the, the jokes about like which is more which is more likely, yes, killer alien robots or somebody or from the local council on New Year's. Eve, on yeah. New Year's Eve, that that was funny. That was good. But my my point about the psychic paper is, I think there's something to be said for magic wands. Psychic paper was a brilliant invention uh, to get out of those Doctor Who plots of old, where there was a authority figure and they locked him up, and then they had to escape, and there was a run around, and it was like a one of the things I always like drove me crazy mm. about classic doctor who and the psychic paper is like let's just like we don't even need to deal with this i I wasn't entirely convinced it worked at all in this episode you know no no Um, not at all i I thought at first yeah that scene i thought oh it hasn't worked but then it appeared that it did it was just it was it was it was a bit oddly staged i mean it's it you know it they uh i think the doctor plays it much like uh, in total party kill Whenever we're in a situation, and just say we're the something inspectors. Inspectors, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's the I, I agree, though, that I think the psychic paper is—it's a genius idea, and yes, it gets around all of those issues of 
trying to pretend to be somebody else uh, in a way that seems plausible. It's like, here, just look, look, whatever, you know, here's my certificate. I agree, it works. I just, but I do also agree that I don't think it was really necessary for this episode. Um, you're already in a time loop. They know they're in a time loop. You could have just gone with that. Yeah. All right, well, onward to whenever the sea devils grace our screens. I don't know when that will be. Sometime. Soonish, probably. <laughs> I get <laughs> spring, they said. Yeah. Okay. Really? I think they said spring. Oh, wow. Um, so. I don't know. Weird times. Weird times. Well, this was a fun one. And I, I with good use of Daleks, and I, I have to admit that in, in some ways I was kind of watching it with trepidation. I'm like, oh boy, because I didn't, you know, love how the how Flux ended. And uh, yeah, it was fun. It was exactly what you want for something like this, which was, it was, it was a fun, uh, good plot, some funny things, nice light touch with the guest stars. Like, it worked. So I'm glad that it worked because it leaves me um, going into this new year with a positive feeling about Doctor Who as it, as it comes to the end of an era this year. Oh. And with lots of fireworks. Mm, lots of fireworks. And a very conveniently destroyed building. Just went straight down. And I, <laughs> I saw something that implied the guy at the end who was uh, doing the filming on his phone was in the first Jodie Whittaker episode. He was. He was the guy who. Uh, he, he was the guy who was being uh, tracked by Tim Shaw at the end. Ah. Oh. So callbacks. Nice. Well done. Yeah. But he's not Jeff. No. <laughs> All right. If you say so. The elusive Jeff. All right, well, uh, Chip, James, Anthony, thank you so much for being on uh, the Doctor Who Flashcast. And uh, maybe we'll convene again in a far future time, or maybe we'll convene again in five minutes as the time loop continues. But this ends this loop. And thank you to everyone out there for listening to the Doctor Who Flashcast. New Year's Eve is a great night to make a time mod. Not a robot. <laughs> we'll see you in the future. Doctor Who Flashcast, only in the future.